Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. Uh, We are going to once again scrap a done show and do a new one because people wrote in, people reached out to me and pointed out that I was missing an important aspect of telling a story by one chapter. And I have a uh, section for parents, things that might indicate your child is being abused things to look for, how to listen to your inner voice. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello. Welcome. Uh, I was going to do actually a completely different topic. I've been talking for almost three weeks now, I think. Actually, three weeks. Yeah, I'm not telling your life with one story. We might get to the other topic. We might not. Someone wrote in and this started a conversation of email exchanges between myself and the listener regarding uh, one other way that we tend to tell a story with just one chapter And then I do have something that I want to talk to you about in regards to your children. So if you don't have children, you might check out early on me. Uh, If you think you're going to have children, hang around. That is to say, if you don't have children currently and you think you might have children, you might want to hang around. Okay, so let's just start with the email. Somebody wrote in and they're like, hey, one of the ways that people tell stories by one chapter is they tend to pigeonhole people into, you know, wherever they were at when they knew them and... The guy wrote in, and actually a couple people reached out to me, actually quite a few through Facebook this time, uh, with some similar thoughts like, you know, it's not just the person who tells the story of their life with one chapter. It's the people, or or if you're going to stick with the story metaphor, it's the characters, the other characters in the story that tend to want to tell the story uh, by one person or, or by one chapter, by one act. And I think this is true. I think uh, one, one person actually brought this character up, Michael Vick, uh, who, I, you know, I have no vested interest in how society treats Michael Vick. Uh, I do think many people want him to suffer for something that he did that was terrible and wrong and awful and he shouldn't have done. But, but he's gone to jail, paid his price, paid his dues, made it right, did restitution, went above and beyond what was sentenced to him. Or, or not was sentenced to him, but what he was told to do once he got out. And and we we I will often hear people get stuck when they reference him, when they reference him getting a job opportunity, when they reference him getting money, they just want to tell his life by that one chapter. And I think part of it's jealousy on the people who are talking. I think some of it's just emotional run. There's this meme running. If you live in Michigan, there's this meme running, or it's not a meme. I have to put this in air quotes, which I know some of my grammar people are going to laugh at, but there's an article running around about a dairy producer here in Michigan where the animals were being abused. And the thing of it is, the whole thing's a lie. Like, the whole thing was was done by activists. Uh, it was the activists actually started the abuse when they took the abuse that they filmed uh, in order to be fair about life, when they took the, the, the abuse that they filmed that they started to the management of the company, the company wanted to be fair about life, and so they fired everybody involved, including the activists. So the activists sat on the tape for six to eight months and then released it as though 
uh, this company didn't do anything about it. And so now people are like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to shop this company again. And I just find it maddeningly frustrating. I just find it maddeningly frustrating. I, ah, I want to scream and holler. In fact, someone uh, put up something on Facebook about how they're never going to shop there again. They can't believe it's just so awful. And they're going on and on and on and virtue signaling. And I was like, you don't even know what's happening. You're just trying to tell a story from a chapter that you haven't even verified. And even if you did verify it, have you looked at what they've done to make it right? Because here's the thing. Here's why we tend to tell a story by just one chapter with other people. We, we don't believe in forgiveness, and people who do believe in forgiveness tend to conflate forgiveness and reconciliation. In other words, if somebody does something to you and, and, and they are wrong, you need to forgive them because it sets you free. And I know some of my theological friends are going to gnash their teeth at that, but that's okay. If someone wrongs you, you need to forgive them because it sets you free from, from ingesting that pain in a way that doesn't process it and causes you to become bitter. And, and that bitterness then infects all of your life. So you need to process with them so that they are, uh, you need to process the forgiveness so that you're free. It has nothing to do with them. Ha, did you hear my ADHD kick in and I got distracted there from what I was saying? Okay, so you need to forgive them because it's for you. But here's the thing. Often when, when we think of forgiveness, like it's amazing to me when I ask people define forgiveness, they don't have a definition. They just tell me, well, I have to forgive them or I didn't forgive them or I can't forgive them. They, they rarely can give me a definition of forgiveness. And so when we start to talk about people who have hurt us, it's safer, we think, in our mind to tell their story with just one chapter because if we continually put that chapter at the front, we can minimize, we think, the possibility of repeating the pain because we don't understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So if I were to ask you right now, and I know I can't, sometimes I wish this were a two-way medium, but if I were to ask you right now, what is forgiveness, what would you say? Could you give me a definition of what forgiveness means that isn't like, a you know, just, well, I have to forgive them. And then what does it mean to forgive people close to you? For instance, uh, right now I, I'm working with a couple that some things have happened in their relationship and their adult children found out and it, and it lowered one of, one of the clients from you know, where they were at in their, in their mind. They, they had this parent elevated to a place where, where the parent probably actually wasn't. And, and so as they you know, found out, well, well, now they're just trying to tell this parent's story by that one chapter even though they have multitudes of chapters before that chapter, even though they have multitudes of other chapters uh, around that chapter, after that chapter, because remember, they found out about the event after it happened. But they just, they just want the parent to tell the story of that one chapter. And I think in part because they want that parent to pay, because they experienced pain. And often when we experience pain, we want someone else to experience pain. We want someone else to know the pain that we experience by, by inflicting pain on them. We want them to hurt. I, I sat in a car one time with somebody years ago, and we were talking about uh, a, a family member in their life that had hurt them deeply. And I actually said to, to the person, I said, it just sounds to me like you want him to hurt. 
And they were like, no, that's not true. But he has to pay. Now, here's the thing. That may be true. Like, Michael Vick needed to pay for his crimes. That's fine. Uh, if there, there are crimes that happen. Because one of the things, whenever I talk to people about this, one of the things always, people always ask me is, well, there are things that define your whole life. If you commit murder, that defines your whole life. I hope not. I hope there's nothing that you do that defines your whole life. Now, that doesn't mean that the person who commits murder shouldn't have legal consequences that might alter what their life could have been. But I sure hope it isn't the thing that tells the whole story of their life. Because I believe in redemption. And so one of the things that I just, I firmly believe is, is that parent, yes, whatever whatever happened there was wrong. And, you, you know, we don't need to get into that, but, but it was wrong. But that isn't the place that that person has to stay for the rest of their life. They can grow. They can mature. They can make restitution so that they can have restoration. I, I just think part of the problem here is we want to have a pain-free life. And so when someone hurts us, we can write them off and it's okay. We can cut them out. Now, I want to be clear. There does come a time where sometimes you have to say to someone, until you're willing to change, until you're willing to turn the chapter, until you're willing to write a different chapter with your life, you can't be in my life because it's toxic, because you bring an unnecessary amount of pain. You bring unredemptive pain to my life. And, and, and that is good boundaries. But unfortunately, I just think there's a confluence of events, of course, that happen that bring us to this. We want to avoid pain. I think we get caught in all or nothing thinking. I see that as an endemic situation in our society. Right now, as I'm recording this, I'm seeing notifications come in on my emails from friends who are pro-mask about how the, the, the media is trying, the, the, the conspiracy theorists are trying to spin this Fauci thing. And then I have a few emails from my pro-mass friends who are like, no, no, this is the, this is the whack jobs. And it's, it's just all this all-or-nothing thinking that just drives me crazy. And all-or-nothing thinking, when we, when we pair that with, I have to be safe above everything else, we run into trouble. We run into problems because we're going to stick people in a chapter that might not actually be the chapter they're in. And that might be one of the greatest travesties of the human experience. Because what happens when we, when we force people into one chapter, we lose out on what happens when you can actually move on together. We talk so much about community in, in our society. We talk so much about collaboration and in my experience, that's all it is. It's just a bunch of hogwash. It's just a bunch of talk. Because in order to really have communication and collaboration, we have to be able to move past distress. We have to be able to move past the chapter that hurt us. And we have to allow the person who hurt us to move past that chapter. That's incredibly important, incredibly imperative for your own growth. Now, it does not mean, I want to be really clear on this, it does not mean that someone who refuses to leave the chapter themselves, so someone that, you're, that you're, is in your life that they just continue to do the same toxic things on repeat, it doesn't mean you need to, to move them to the next chapter. In fact, I would argue you can't. And one of the things that is, is so detrimental to our current society is that many, many people are trying to move other people into the next chapter. I, I had someone reach out to me about counseling and, and their adult son challenged them to let me plumb the depths of their darkness or something. It was a weird email. Uh, and, and, and I said to myself, I don't even know what that means. 
And, and I finally wrote back, I'm like, it sounds like your son wants you to move out of the chapter you're in, but you don't. If you want to explore the possibility of moving out of your chapter that you're in, I'd be happy to meet with you. But if, if you don't, and you're just doing this because you're angry with your son, I'm probably not a good fit for you. And he wrote me back and he was like, yeah, you're right. Okay, cool. Awesome. Now, here's the thing. If two months from now, he actually wants to explore what it would look like to move out of the chapter that he's in, I'm down. But I can't force him to move to the next chapter. That's manipulation. I also shouldn't hold him in that chapter. Like, let's say I run into him a year from now. I don't know. I, I wouldn't know the guy. Honestly, if he hit my truck with his truck, I wouldn't know who he is. But let's say I run into him and, and he's like, oh, you're Joe Martino. I'm like, yeah, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so-and-so. We talked on email and I've, I've been seeing this other therapist and now I'm in a different chapter. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Great. One of the things that we don't, one of the things, essentially here's what's happened. I have focused the last three episodes on how we keep ourselves in the chapter that we're in, whether it's a, a good chapter that we want to relive or it's a bad chapter that we don't want to relive, but we just don't want to go through the pain of getting out of it. What the people who reached out to me reminded me of is there's another element to that. We tend to want to keep other people in the chapter they're in because I think, and I think here's the, I've already offered some reasons, but I think the ultimate reason, the ultimate linchpin to all of this is the truth that what happens is we don't know how to move them out of that chapter and maybe not reconcile with them. In other words, we allow them to move out of the chapter. We see who they are, but we might not reconcile with them. We don't know how to, the other side of that, we don't know how to enforce boundaries like, hey, you're not willing to leave the chapter that you're in, and so until you do, I have to build these boundaries. We don't know how to go back and recheck the boundaries. We don't know how to go back and be like, hey, where are you? Did, did you move out of that chapter? And look, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. There is a guy that I was friends with in college. Uh, there was a falling out after my mom passed. And I, I just, when I see his picture, I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want anything to do with him. And it, and it hit me, I don't know, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, huh. I should probably see what he's up to. And and our paths kind of crossed naturally and we tentatively reached out to each other. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I think that's another reason that we tend to not do this. We tend to avoid it because we might re-engage. We might find out that the person is still in the exact same chapter for why we, we left that, we, we parted storylines from them, right? Why we left that storyline and, and went on a different plot path. And, and they might still be there and that will create more pain. And so to, in order to avoid that more pain, we'll avoid the pain by just never, we, they're, they're, yeah, that person's bad. Well, how do you know? Well, 15 years ago, five years ago, two years ago. Oh, do you know if they moved on? Nope, nope, nope. And this is why you hear phrases like, well, once a cheater, always a cheater. Or why, and anytime you hear the phrase, well, once whatever, always whatever. Or, well, this person did that, so they cannot have anything good happen to them the rest of their life. That's insanity to me. This life is about redemption. The whole world's broken. Every person is broken. Every person does things. One of the things that, that I've shared with you before, my wife says all the time to her clients is, everybody brings pain to everybody. 
The question is, how do we respond? Do we grow? So if we're the one giving the pain, do we grow? If we're the one that received the pain, do we grow? And do we allow space for the person who hurt us to grow? This becomes incredibly important for your own growth because the thing of it is, is simple answers are nice, but they rarely work. Life is a complicated poop storm. It just is. And, and there are people who love you who bring pain to you. There are people that love you who hurt you. And it doesn't make it okay. Like, they need to make it right. Don't get me wrong. They need to apologize. You need to forgive them. And then you need to decide what does it mean to move. Where we get in trouble is the simplicity of trying to tell their story with just how they hurt us. That becomes a way that creates more pain for ourselves because what happens is you end up lonely. More importantly, you end up in a world that's completely transactional, not relational. And I really believe that life was meant to be relational. Life was meant to be something that brought relation to the world, not this transactional thing. Well, you hurt me. Make it up. This is why, like, I hate when I go out for dinner with people. If I buy this time, they have to buy next time. That's hogwash. I can buy next time. I mean, you can buy both times too if you want. I don't mind. Just take me someplace nice. Life, when it's spent transactionally, is far less satisfying than when it's spent relationally. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of try to sew this up because it's, it's just when I, when I read the first email, the first communication. It might not have been an email. I don't remember. And I was like, oh, man, how did I not think of this? This is so true. And obviously, I have a lot to say because I could keep going here. I do want to switch topics for a second. Uh, recently, I, I had someone reach out to me, and their four-year-old child was being molested by a 13-year-old child. And that 13-year-old was related to the four-year-old, their cousins. And one of the things that the person, as we were talking, said to me was, I knew something was wrong just a few weeks ago. I saw this happening. And also, my daughter suddenly started wetting the bed, and these things started going on. So I want to take a moment, and I want to talk to all the parents out there. I want you to know that if you have some level of unease, some level of, ooh, there's something maybe going on, investigate it. Maybe investigate it passively, but investigate it. If if there are things going on, if your child suddenly starts wetting the bed, if your child suddenly starts uh, refusing to vacate their bowels, if your child suddenly starts to do things that they have, they have mastered the skills necessary to not do them a long time ago, something's going on. And, and I'm hearing about this more and more. I heard about a young boy who just suddenly started peeing his bed. He started wetting his bed. He just suddenly started uh, to hold in his bowels or, or, you know, just behaviors that were not normal for him. When, when his parents asked him about it, he said, well, I'm just trying to get so-and-so's attention. It's, it's a situation where mom and dad are not together. I'm just trying to get one of the parents' attention. And I got to tell you, I know those people. They're not my clients. So I was like, no, that's not accurate. The poor kid's probably getting abused. And, and, and if you know me, I know some of my friends are like, well, you look for that everywhere. I do because the numbers are terrifying. And when, when I got this phone call this weekend uh, f- from a, a good friend of mine uh, about how things were running, 
uh, with their child. You know, it just, I feel terrible for the mom. I'm not saying this to shame anyone. Uh, I'm using it as an example to hopefully encourage other people. Trust your instincts. If there is a 13-year-old that is seems oddly interested in your four-year-old, run that out. If if there is something going on and it seems strange to you, run it out. Just I know you I know everybody's busy. There's a lot to get done. Just sit down where they're at. Just start spending time in eyesight of them. I cannot tell you how many cases of peer-to-peer sexual assault I've heard about in the last three months. I cannot tell you about how many cases of non-peer-to-peer. And so basically I consider anything, you know, if they're not the same age, so a four-year-old and a five-year-old or a six-year-old, that's peer-to-peer. A four-year-old and a seven to 13-year-old, seven whatever up, that's not peer-to-peer. And I'm hearing about it more and more and more. And one of the things that I'm hearing on repeat is I knew something was up. I just didn't, I just told myself, no, don't dismiss your inner voice. Don't dismiss it. Examine it. Investigate it. Don't dismiss it. We, we tend to have this idea that abusers are these, you know, scary looking old men. And sometimes they are. But a lot of abusers are going to be somebody that your kid knows closely. They're going to be the children of one of your siblings. And I know that's hard to hear. I know very few people want to process that reality, but it is a reality. It is a truth that we have to face, that we have to look at, that many abusers know, they know the, the person they're abusing because that's how they're able to exploit it. And they're also very charming. They're very, they're, they're, they're usually very nice kids. And people are like, well, there's something off about them, but they're just so nice. And so I dismissed my inner voice. I can't tell you enough. Don't dismiss that inner voice. Run it out. And then especially if your child starts wetting the bed, uh, and they're, they're, that is one of the number one signs that there's something going on. If, if they've been uh, able to you know, control their, their, uh, their, their biologicals and sleep the whole night, and then suddenly they start doing it, and, and it's not, nothing works to help them gain back that control... That's the body's way of crying for help. I really believe that. And so, so well, I, I mean, I think science would back me up on it, regardless of whether or not I believe it. So, so run that down. There's a PSA. I don't know what this part of this show is. I just, I know when I, when I took that phone call, I was like, man, I, we, we've got to talk about this. We've got to get this out there. Sexual abuse is happening. Uh, I, I believe that, unfortunately, when... We take a look at at the last year and we look at how we handled certain things and put certain things in place that we're, we're going to find that numbers of abuse went way up. And and you might say, well, we couldn't do anything else. I'm not here to argue that. I'm just we need to be prepared as a parent. You need to know what to look for. A lot of parents don't know what to look for. So you're looking for a sudden change. Uh, in behavior that is prolonged, right? So especially if you have like a, you know, a preteen, a tween, uh, or a teen, they might have sudden changes in behavior, you know, by the 20-minute mark. But we're talking about a prolonged sudden change of behavior, anything related to wetting the bed, soiling the bed, anything like that, get get them into a professional. And I by professional, I don't mean a doctor. I think doctors are wonderful people who do wonderful things to help our bodies stay safe. Uh, uh, you know, medically, 
get them into a mental health professional so that they can have a conversation with them and that person can help you explore uh, what are the possibilities. Uh, I, 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 know, I, I know that this is one of the greatest fears for all adults, um, but those are things you should be looking out for because the sooner you can intervene with counseling, the sooner you can identify the perpetrator and intervene with law enforcement and CPS, the better off for your child, the better off for probably other victims too, because it's rare that an abuser is only going to abuse one person. All right. So a kind of quick show today. Uh, it's going up a day late because of these emails. I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to have this conversation today on the heels of the last three weeks about not locking a person into one chapter. And then I did want to talk a little bit about, uh, how, uh, just reality says I'm, I'm hearing more about abuse. As I talk to other counselors, they're hearing more about abuse. And then how do we, uh, what do we as parents look out for in that situation? So if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. I know that you could do anything with your time, so I appreciate you devoting your time to listen to my show. As always, if you liked it, please feel free to share it with your friends on social media. That's one of the best forms of advertising that I have. Uh, I refuse to use paid advertising at this point. So uh, so I rely on you to share it with your friends. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.